Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for, for music, music teachers. teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today we're talking about teaching group piano lessons online. beautiful teachers welcome back welcome to another episode if it's your first time joining us a special warm welcome to you today's podcast episode is closely related to the article which joanna wrote for the blog so the blog is at colorfulkeys.ie slash blog if you haven't been there before if you're only a podcast listener i will be following some of joanna's tips and just giving my own thoughts here i don't teach group online lessons as like a primary format. I only do group online workshops. So I am going to stick to Joanna's sort of structure here and just give you my extra thoughts along the way and maybe give you my perspective on some of the cons, I guess, to match Joanna's pros as we go through. Because while this can be a great format and it's clearly working amazingly for Joanna, It's not my style. It's not something I want to get into for various reasons. So let's start with some of the benefits that Joanna sees in group online piano lessons. Some of these are just for online teaching in general that you will have seen if you taught lessons online, at least partially during the pandemic or something like that. So the first one is that there's no commute time. I do think that's fun. That's also true, though, if you work from home. If you, like me, run a home studio, then yeah, you don't have any commute time. And I love that too. There is maybe less necessity to clean up your house at the same time. So that's something that's a little bit different from just working from home. There's also less disruption to family and home life. So you don't have to commute anywhere, but you're also not going to get in your family's way as long as you have an area of your house that you could close off and just use for teaching. The next one is really for group lessons in general, which is the potential to earn more per hour, which can be reinvested back into your teaching business or it can be used to pay yourself more. That's also very valid. And this is the big one for Joanna, I think, which is flexible teaching from everywhere, wherever you have internet. Joanna has been to Brazil, Bulgaria, USA, England, Portugal and Mexico and been teaching the entire time. Joanna is actually on our editorial team as well as being an occasional guest writer for the blog. And I've loved just hearing, you know, where she is. Like, (laughs) we have a very global 
little team at VMT were all over the world, but Joanna is then moving all over the world as well. She's originally from the UK, but she's been everywhere. And it's so fun to see where she's joining our meetings from or writing to me from. And she also mentions here that there's a low cost setup. So she has her keyboard, laptop, a good light source. She has a ring light. You could use any photography light for that. And an overhead webcam or phone clip, ebooks, iPad, backup internet connection. So I presume she means her phone there. So yeah, that's very little. Not only low cost, but she's made it portable, which is really cool. So that's for the teachers. What about for parents? Lessons also require no commute time for them. So whereas the normal alternate choice is between parents traveling or us traveling, basically, or both of us to a commercial location, there's no commute time for either of you and no waiting around. So they won't accidentally arrive too early or too late. They just log in and there they are ready for their lesson and you're there too. Parents are also more likely to be involved in lessons I don't know if I've found this to be entirely true, but I think you could make it true when we taught online, which is the same for group or solo lessons, right? When we taught online, a lot of parents really weren't any more involved. Some were, but I think you could encourage that and it would be maybe easier to facilitate if they're at home anyway. But a lot of the time it would have been minders, child minders and things setting up online lessons for us as well. Her next pro for parents is that online piano lessons can be recorded for review between lessons. And this is something Rosemary Penner has brought up as well. She teaches online solo lessons. She loves this recording. You have this built in recorded feature and you can just share that. And that's really useful for students. And I think for group lessons and for a lot of parent involvement as well, that could be really, really helpful. The next one I'm going to have to disagree with Joanna about because I'm not sure here. Lessons can be extremely flexible. Just select your time and day if a student needs to attend. The birthday or holiday lessons can be rescheduled. So I'm going to assume here that she means maybe if the group lessons are not leveled, which we'll get to later. But if she means that she's talking about multi-level group lessons, then that might be true that they can just attend a different lesson than they usually do. If that's not the case, then it's not going to be any easier than in-person or than solo lessons in order in, in terms of rescheduling. And then the benefits to students, finally. So online group lessons encourage students to develop more independence and ownership over their learning. I like that one a lot. It could also be a negative, though, because it does require more independence and ownership over their learning. There's less ability for you to kind of spoon feed things, I guess. That sounds like a negative word, but some students do need more handholding and you've less ability to do that. Again, you could get the parents involved to offset that. Another one is that students practice performance skills every lesson. So I think, again, you could do this in any group lesson, of course. And I do this in my group workshops and things like that where students play for each other. So I think that's a fabulous benefit that that's built in for them every week. It's very obvious also when students do not practice, which can be very motivating for some. And then I would say the downside is it can be demotivating for others. If they feel like, oh my gosh, that other kid is doing so well, we have to do a lot of training to convince them or to 
make sure they frame it as I should practice more, therefore I will do as well as that other student versus, well, I shouldn't even bother because he's already up to that stage and I'm only able to do this. It's also fantastically easy to share screen share games because of all the games we have in the VMT library. I think it's great to have group experiences in person or online for that reason because you can get all the students involved in playing. The next one is I think a really big one. She says students can see and hear the learning process of other students. When learning a piece simultaneously students hear and see corrections multiple times. I think this is fantastic because, and I've certainly seen this with pieces we work on in buddy lessons here, which is two students together, where they get to experience the other students' mistakes and how they were corrected and it kind of embeds the learning on different layers. And then she puts as a benefit, which I really like, less focus on individual students. This is actually a great thing. My learners have become wonderfully self-directed. So I agree with her here and actually for a different reason, not just because of self-direction, but I actually think I might have loved a small group lesson environment because I always felt like solo lessons were really pressured. (laughs) They were very intense or they felt very intense. And I think it could be really beneficial for some students, even those who are very introverted like me, to be able to learn in that group environment because it is less focused on you and there are others there. And yeah, it might feel like a less intense environment in some ways, which it might help people relax and therefore perform better. And the final one is really fun. It's community and friendships, potentially with students from around the world. So I love that there are these group classes and the students can be from everywhere. Maybe they're even mixing them up in Johanna's case as well. If they can't attend one, they might come to another. So they're getting to meet all of these other students from all over the world. And as long as you take advantage of the group format, which I know Joanna does, that could be really wonderful for them getting to know each other. Now from here, Joanna goes into multi-leveled or what she calls simultaneously leveled. I would call it evenly leveled, right? So which way are you going to go and the benefits of each. I think most of us can see the benefits of the evenly leveled option, but she's right that multi-level can inspire students because those they can see who's ahead of them and then they can also mentor those who are behind them or like who have less experience than them. And you can teach concepts at different levels so that they can all experience it together and pieces at different levels, which I think is really fantastic. So Joanna suggests mixing and matching, trying different things to find what works for you. But she also suggests, same as me, for my buddy lessons and for more recently for my group workshops, grouping by age. Age matching is more important than level matching. There really is no such thing as level matching anyway. We all know that each student who's had a year of lessons could be in a completely different spot anyway, even if they started at the same place. And some will be further ahead in ear training and others will be further ahead in reading. And it'll just be all over the map. So I don't think there's such a thing as having a group that is really all at the same level. However, age is really good to match if you can, because it means they can... There is, of course, benefits to having multi-age groups, But there's a different sense of camaraderie and fun and enjoyment when they're with their peers. 
Now, in terms of size, Joanna is teaching mostly groups of three to five students or buddy lessons, which she teaches online, just like I do. I did online and I do in person where there's half solo lesson time and then overlapping with another student in between. I think Joanna's note about exam material is useful to mention here too. So if you are, if you ever do exams with your students, if you're in an area where that's common, she says that she offers additional one-to-one lessons in addition to their group lesson if they want to go forward for an exam. So that's good to note that if you need to manage that situation, you may need one-on-one lessons for that because it is very focused and specific to that exam and you would want to make sure that they're fully prepared for it, that they're confident doing it. So that's kind of a supplement for her, for those students who want to do that. The final thing I want to go through is Joanna's suggestion. She gives an outline for a lesson plan for this type of group lesson. So if you've ever considered this or if you're considering it right now and you're thinking, yeah, but what would that look like? This is something that I would find really valuable. Like this is what I want to see. So I'll go through Joanna's plan for you here. And if you want to see it written down, you can go to the article as well. So here she's laying out a one hour evenly leveled lesson. She starts with five minutes of performance opportunity. Now, I don't know what way Joanna does that, but I would personally make that optional. Actually, I wouldn't demand everyone play something. I would just say, okay, who wants to play something for us or call on each student and give them an opportunity to do it. But don't insist upon it. So that way you're never shaming people that haven't practiced and you just move on. Then she has five minutes for the review of previous week's work. Super important to make sure that is embedded and is in place before you continue. And then five minutes for the introduction of today's piece or what they're working on. Then she has 10 minutes for group analysis of the piece and introduction to key concepts covered in the lesson. So this is where they're discussing things. And you see, she's put this pretty early on in the lesson. It's at minute 15 to 25 of a one hour lesson. And then she has five minutes for a game or activity break so that they can shake the cobwebs off. That's about halfway through the lesson. And then they're going to do some practice. So this is where I imagine she might have the mute or something like that. And they're going to practice and work on sections of the piece themselves, then come back together for another game, then do more practice again, then have a five minute creative break, which I love. So it could be an improvisation or a group composition they're working on. And then she has another practice performance opportunity. So that's great. That's at the start and then towards the end in case someone said, no, don't want to today. And then actually they change their mind during. And then a wrap up at the end and share a group homework setting for the week. And then she shares a couple of final tips, which I think are very useful if you're going to give this a go. And this is true whether you want to do group workshops online like I've been doing or regular classes like Joanna has been doing. So first she mentions muting unless it's a very small group. She always asks her student to mute themselves when practicing and then unmute themselves when it's their turn to play. She says some students really love this control over when others can hear them. I think that's very true. I generally have students unmute. This is in Zoom. I have it set up to put everyone on mute when they join unless it's only two students. So anything over two students, I will go with everyone is on mute and they have to unmute themselves to talk. And then I love her next tip, which is the chat box. So in Zoom and probably in most other platforms as well, she'll have the students message her privately 
to ask questions. So, you know, in Zoom, you can write directly to one person. Well, they learn how to do that if they don't want the class to know or if they don't want to interrupt her when she's talking about something else or whatever, they can write to her in the chat box and that way they can get private feedback, a quick answer to a question, maybe something they were embarrassed to ask the whole group. Okay, so if you've been considering teaching online group lessons, it's definitely a unique environment, but I think it can be really fun. It's not for me, as I've said, I love doing my group workshops and my practice with pals online, which are in a group format, but they're not the primary learning environment for my students. However, I think different strokes, right? I think we all need to do things our own way. So if this really appeals to you, definitely go check out Joanna's post. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode, giving you a bit of overview and my thoughts. I hope you have a fabulous week and I'll see you next time. Vibrant Music Teaching members get five new games or resources at least every single month that keep them inspired and wanting to become a better teacher each and every day. If you want to join the best community of teachers online, you can go to vmt.ninja and sign up today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.